Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Walking 90. We're doing another interview today. So I'm Kyle Carr. I am filling in as the host today because Yogi has practice and Ebony is stranded in an airport. Um, so it is now to me, which always has mixed results. But I am joined by someone who's convinced his wife to watch Chuck so he can do this interview. Chip, how's it going? Good. Well, uh, we'll see how long I last. If he starts crying too much, I might have to run off and put him to sleep again. Sounds good. Sounds good. And then we have our special guest over from new USL League One expansion team, Lexington Sporting Club, Sam Stockley. How's it going, Sam? How's it going over there? Hey, how you doing, Kyle? How you doing, Chip? Uh, appreciate the opportunity to come on your show. Uh, going really, really well. Fantastic. It's uh, We are now almost nearly a year into, we signed our franchise agreement last October. I can't believe it's been nearly 12 months. It seems like, well, it's been about 18 months, well, 18, 19 months before that, actually. But um, yeah, it, it's been fly. It's just flown past, absolutely flown past. I can't believe we're going to have a team in preseason in, in, I think, five, six months' time. It's crazy. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting. For those that don't know, Lexington Sporting Club is going to be joining the league next year in 2023. So one of the expansion clubs are joining along with Spokane who we spoke to earlier. So yeah, make sure if you haven't followed them, make sure to check it out. If you're in the Lexington area, I would say obviously get as much support behind it as possible, but I guess to start things off, Sam, I guess what got you involved with this role in Lexington and what role do you have currently? So my role is I am the sporting director of the Lexington sporting club. So I'm very fortunate in a position to be able to, uh, oversee the, the 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 football the the performance side of the club so um, everything from the men's first team down to the USLW and the USL2 and then um, our, we've got the girls academy league we've got the USL academy for our 16s through 19s and then we've just spent the last sort of seven eight months and we merged the two biggest uh, youth clubs in Lexington um, and then we merged them together and then we uh, we then brought them under our brand and banner and now we're Lexington Sporting Club Youth Club with we have 1400 just under 1400 players so we've got about 107 teams um, so there that's been a, an, a, an enormous launch and lift that we've been working on to try and you know uh, unite and unite the community and bring the, that youth soccer world together which is obviously a huge piece of our model moving forward of developing players because I've strategically said this in in all of the interviews that, that I've been fortunate to be on that we want to win championships of up to 70% homegrown players and you guys will know this that's an enormous task and a huge a huge um, you know uh, a huge responsibility in some respects to to the commitment financially time you know development model resources everything like that. But, um, you know, we feel after doing our research for a long period of time in this market that there's definitely the quality here. Obviously, we've got, we're fortunate that we've had the footprint of FC Cincinnati used to be in the league and gone on to the MLS and, you know, uh, Lou City, who have, you know, been arguably one of the most successful sides in the new reform sort of USL format. Um so, you know, and I know that might raise a few questions, you know, eyebrows of them being up there. But I think that, you know, that they've done a, an amazing job and used their stadium and everything like that. So full credit to them. And 
that created a nice pathway for us and we sort of complete that golden triangle down at Lexington Sporting Club now coming into into League One. Uh, so we're excited. And my role in this started probably about three and a half years ago um, when I actually went to the league, Stephen Short at the time, um, who was in charge of expansion franchises in League One. And, you know, I, it's an ongoing sort of joke that I have with him that I went with, well, I asked him, you know, what, what, trying to build somebody for somebody, trying to build something for somebody that don't know that they want it yet. And that's kind of where he was at with, with this franchise opportunity. So I spent about 12 months researching markets. The league gave me 10 markets to look at. So I spent 12 months looking at them, um, windled it down to two. At the same time that I was doing that, the league was already in Lexington and they were doing their due diligence and realized that they was one of the top three markets in the country for an expansion franchise because of the city, the youth club, you know, Fortune 500 companies, where we are located, mass population, all of that, you know, sports town with what we have with obviously UK and their football and basketball and everything like that. So being very successful in, and all the other colleges in the area, you know, it's a, it's a real sports area. I don't want to just highlight one. There's been, a, you know, there's been a lot of success. So I think when you bring all of that together, it made for, for a good opportunity for a franchise. And then um, after that 12 months, the league then brought myself and Vince Gabbert, who's our president of the, of the, the, the League One club, of Lexington Sporting Club. Um, and then we worked with the league for another 12 months after that. Um, and then back in January 21, I think it is, yeah, January 21, that was when we were in a position where the league had vetted us and felt that if there was a group to bring it to market, then it would be myself and Vince. And that's when we then spoke with, you know, or Vince reached out and had the connections in market to the ownership, which now, you know, the rest is history and they've really grabbed it and ran with it. So by no means am, am I trying to say in any way whatsoever that, you know, it, it, this is done because of the ownership that we have. And they're absolutely fantastic. Bill and Donna Shively, Stephen Dorhair and Carter Garnegie. Um, you know, they've really ran with this and grabbed it. And to be fair to them, they were looking at other markets and being approached by other markets or, or, or groups to want to bring a pro club here. And it just hadn't sat, sat right at the right time for them. And then I think all the, all the chips fell at the same time. And here we are. Yeah, for sure. And I was going to say, with everything that's going on, like Lexington being able to get so many season ticket deposits already, yeah. what has been, you know, kind of like the feeling of that, whether it's for yourself personally or like for the whole organization, just seeing that growing interest in the high number of the deposits? I forgot what the number is, and I'm sure, Chip, you have this, but yeah. 2,500, I believe. There it is. <laughs> No, it's, I think, you know, I'll speak for the, for the organization rather than me personally. You know, we're all in this together. This is such a family, family run club in some respects. And, you know, how it was put together and, and how we're all working here. We've got an amazing group. And, you know, for us to be able to hit those targets, what, seven months out, we haven't even announced a pro player yet. We haven't announced any of the pro staff or anything like that to be able to hit, hit our targets there is, it just goes to show the market that we have. And we're very fortunate, as I mentioned before, as, as I opened it out, we we have, you know, this is a sports town. And historically, it's been very successful in various different areas of sports. And to be able to bring a pro, a professional franchise here now, I think really is the icing on the cake for this, for this city. 
Well, Chip, do you want to go? I didn't know if you had a question. Yeah, it's been really exciting to see the growth of the sport in the Southeast. I know find, kind of following soccer growing up, it was always kind of thought to be an area that it wouldn't really take. People always look to like California, Texas, yeah. New England, and all of a sudden the Southeast is like the hotbed of soccer for yeah. USL League One and even USLC. And I mean, with you guys coming to the league, over half the league's going to be in the Southeast all yeah within like seven hours driving of each other, yeah, which is crazy. And that's going to make some great away days for your fans. No, you're exactly right. That's the exciting part of it. I think, you know, when we looked at, when, when we looked at the, I think, or the league, obviously, when they had looked at the location and, you know, they called it kind of the spine of the, not the spine as in um, because of who we are, just because of where we're located, that we mm -hmm. really connect, uh, you know, a lot of easy travel for teams and for ourselves. So, yeah, the league, you know, I was fortunate. I played in the league 13, 14 years ago when it started, started. And then um, to have an opportunity to give back to the league now and come back and give back to football, you know, full stop of this opportunity is is huge. Um, and yeah, you know, like you said, it's becoming, you know, with N NCFC, Charlotte Independence, Richmond Kicker, you know, you got some established clubs that have been around for a long period of time that are all in this league and for me that just makes it even more exciting as we move forward and you know i can't wait for this for the season to start in april for sure uh so you were with the railhawks back in 12 13 who are now a league three our league one team uh called ncfc play in yeah. league one how would you how has the railhawks changed from 12 13 to now in 2021 2022 do you think in your expert opinion i think you know when i i was at fc new york the old you know the, in the usl beforehand and then came down to the rail hawks and they happened to be in a different league at the time um and it was obviously a club that you know the the financial aspect of it all was a little bit different back then to be honest with you um we didn't have any, and I'll be honest with you, back then we didn't have much connection with the youth aspect of it. So it wasn't like we had a lot of homegrowns coming through, even though at the time it was Castle and they had 10,000 players at every level coming through. The connection for me between Carolina Railhawks and Castle, the youth club, was very different to what I'd experienced coming from Europe because everything pointed up to the pro team wherever you are in the country over in England any club within an area that has a pro team you're all trying to get you know everything's funneling in to support the pro club to try and get players through and I don't think that that was necessarily the case when I was at Carolina Railhawks we had a, a lot of players from all around the country that you know we brought in where I think over a period of time now since Steve Malik the owners come in and he you know that I was I was there at the tail end of that piece of it and you know his what he wanted to do was connect the community and bring it together and i think that the best thing that they could have done which is what they did do and that was get with the the biggest youth club in the town at the time and bring it together and try and align it so you get a real development model and obviously john bradford i know john well he was actually an assistant manager or when i was there playing so and then i ended up coaching in the U in castle or at the time so i got to know him there and for him now to have gone full circle and and still be the technical director on the boys' side for the youth club, but also the men's head coach, I think that's unbelievable. And now you can see 
that their models changed and they're trying to bring young players through and they're giving opportunities to you know kids that are coming out of their academy and you know that's that you know that that for me is how it should be um so i think there's been a ginormous shift in the in the mentality down there from carolina railhawks to ncfc um and only for the better of that community because it has unbelievable players it's got a great hotbed produces excellent male and female players um and now they've got a chance to really go into the first team where when i was there i think the younger players were limited to come into our first team because we tended to look far and beyond to bring players in mm -hmm. for sure we've kind of seen the same story happen with tormenta who has had some decent success at league one but definitely on the women's side they were the champions of yeah. uslw in their first year which was an awesome story uh to hear all about that and i know lexington actually has already announced a youth academy for the yep. club is that kind of part of your vision for the development strategy for lexington yeah big time it was a really important part of it you know i think you know and from from my experience and i've, I've lived in the states for uh, on and off now i went home for a couple of years but i've been in there for about 14 years 15 years now and what i really noticed back then was it was very much youth club was was the big was was the dominant market and the pro clubs weren't really at the time and i think you know for pay to play models and just the way it was laid out in us with youth soccer and how it was and the game still growing in the professional side in the majority of markets um the the, the youth piece was was the powerhouse almost and then the pro club was the one trying to catch up and i think that that shifted a little bit but i think it's shifted in the right way because what clubs are doing now is they're bringing in a proper development model and a pathway so you know you can be a 10 12 13 year old boy or girl in your community and have a chance of being pro and that was never really around as much um 10 to 12 years ago where now for us part of our model was that we wanted to spend the time within our youth within our youth clubs to try and merge them together and bring them under um you know our sort of development model because now that's the pipeline and the hotbed in the world to be able to bring these players through um, and that was really really important for us so like you said we now have a youth club which has just under 14,000 uh 1400 sorry not 14,000 players 14,000 would have been like woof <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that would be interesting <laughs> that is a huge beast to lift so it's hard enough getting just under 1400 let alone that so um that was a huge piece and we took a lot of time for that we didn't push it we didn't we really tried to nurture those relationships we tried to do the right things we had a lot of listening sessions we met with both clubs a lot and you know we we made a promise that every player from both youth clubs were given a chance next year as well so we weren't cutting any players all of the coaches had an opportunity to have another year together you know we really spent a lot of time trying to knit that community together because we understand that it's the lifeblood of what we you know of the football club you know season sponsorship season tickets fans all of, you know all of those is really really important so we wanted to do that right so now we have that youth club so that goes from u7s through to u19s we also have the the girls academy which is our the highest level for our girls which is really important because they'd never had in this area in lexington we'd never had ecnl or girls academy or anything like there a lot of our top talent would leave the area to go and try and get that extra level of competition so we've provided that for the females 
We've also got our USL Academy, which is our 16 through 19 boys, which is really, really important. And then in 23, we'll be bringing a USLW, which will be our U23 female program. We'll then launch our men's pro team in February, April of 23. And then in 2024, we will then launch our uh, USL two team, so our U23 boys. So we will have a full pathway and and we will have a female path, professional pathway for our, our women's as well. So we yeah, will have I was, was going to say, with all those plans, I know with getting kind of everything built up, and I know I think the Girls Academy starts this fall, mm-hmm. um, but then also in 2024, it's I think there was a goal to have a new stadium in Lexington, because I think right now you're going to be playing in the in University of Kentucky's complex, and then hopefully you can have a soccer-specific stadium going on downtown. Do you know how that progress is going? Have you has there been like encouraging signs, or do you have any updates on that? Yeah, no, hugely encouraging signs. We have moved from the downtown area. We moved away from there probably about two, three months ago, um, because uh, for us it. it, it you know, we, we made commitments to the league. We made commitments to the community that we and obviously with our current contract that we had with UK, you know, we were looking at a 2024 um, strategy to then be in our new stadium. So we ended up moving away from the downtown area. We do now currently have um, a location that we're very close to completing on. Uh, we're excited about it. It's 100% happening. We will have a, uh, a brand new stadium and we will have a brand new state-of-the-art training facility with uh, 10 fields. That's all 100% happening. We're just, uh, we're just now navigating around the city piece of that and obviously everything that we go through with that. Yeah, that's impressive. Facilities, whoa. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, we're really, really excited. Obviously, the stadium is a huge thing. We'll be able to run concerts. We'll be able to have, you know, other multi-sports in that stadium, which is what we want to do. But for me, I wouldn't say one or the other is more important. But for me, the training facility is really, really exciting because we don't have a multi-field complex in Lexington at all. So for us to be able to provide that for the community and for our youth club and for, you know, other organized soccer organizations, that's a huge piece for us and our ownership. And I think ultimately that was really one of the reasons why our owners got into this in the first place was for the community, for the youth. You know, our ownership believe it's a huge legacy for them to be able to pass on because, as you guys know, you know, this football club will be around here for 50 to 100 years like they are everywhere else. And there's no doubt in my mind about that. So that was a big piece of it. Yeah. And I was going to say, I know growing up, you've had a career over in England, you know, playing for a variety of League One, League Two teams. I guess talk to me, talk to me about how that playing career goes and how you want to carry over the playing career that you had and what you learned and just growing up in that culture where, you know, soccer is the main sport and how you plan on bringing that to the United States. That's a great question. I was I was very fortunate. You know, I came I came from a broken home, just my mum, my two brothers. Um, I lived down in a place called Exeter in Devon, which we had Exeter City, Plymouth Argyle and Torquay United were probably the three pro clubs around me in about an hour and a half drive. And then everything was about two and a half, three hours away from where I lived. Um, I got spotted playing when I was 12, 13 years old by Southampton. So I was very fortunate to go through Southampton's academy um, from like 12 years old through to 19 when I side pro and then moved on from there. 
And honestly, that upbringing in the academy environment there where every year there was no breaking, there was no breaking the chain. My development model every year, I was very fortunate because I was with Southampton. It got layered on, it got layered on and it got layered on. And all of that time together allowed me because I wasn't maybe the most technical player at the time, but my work ethic, my work rate, my competitiveness, my want to learn and all of those things. They were nurtured by the, the the club and obviously allowed me to then to go on to be pro. And if it wasn't for people believing in me and looking after me and helping me along the line, I probably never would have made it because of the background that I came from because it was a tough background. So, you know, to then go on and, and for me to be given an opportunity, like here I am standing as a sporting director in America after a 20-year career of kicking a ball around the field. It's like, whoa, you, you know, I, I I live and breathe this sport. It's given me absolutely everything. It's, you know, it's provided wonderful opportunities for me and my family to travel the world and do things like that. And, you know, for to have that now, to have that opportunity and bring it and be in America where there are clubs that are doing it definitely and they've been going for you know seven eight nine you look at philly union they're probably eight years into their development plan and they're churning out players left right and center now and there's other some other you know clubs around the country that are doing it but i don't think everybody's got it right yet so we're still in that really nice spot where we can provide an opportunity for our players so you can now be a youth player in lexington 10 years old and you know that you can stay here and have an opportunity to be a professional and then move on from there and you know to be able to provide that now in 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 this sport in this country which is growing so much um i think i'm very lucky and humbled to be able to be in a situation to give back and that's all i want to do i want to be able to provide the experiences i want to be able to with our team build an amazing development model with uh the opportunity to to be able to put players in the first team. And that's really, really important. And what those players do in the first team and then move on from there is huge. And you know, like I said, to have that opportunity to give back to this game, um, you know, is something that I'm, I'm very, very, very grateful because this game has given me absolutely everything. Yeah. And I was going to say, I know you you mentioned at the beginning that you're hoping to have a championship team with 70%, you know, uh, you know kind of homegrown talent. Uh, how do you try and balance, you know, making sure that you have the homegrown talent that not only can make it, but also are good enough and then still bring in outside reinforcements to kind of attain to that goal? Now, it's something that we talk about daily and I've, um, and weekly as we start to now, we're starting to now step up the process to start looking and identifying and building a first team squad to then go out in preseason and start in April. Um, and it's really, really important that one, we've got to start right. and We want to win. There's no question about that. We want to win because if we continue to win and be successful, that carries the momentum and the excitement. And then it will go on and on and on. So we've got to be very strategic with how we recruit. And that is we need to recruit um, players that have the experience and the knowledge and the understanding to help us be successful, but then have the character, the want and the ability to be able to help and educate our younger players in it as well. So we've got to get a balance and we've got a player profile. We've got a physical, technical, tactical and psychological profile of the players in each one of the positions we're doing. We're relying heavily on our data analysis team um, who are currently going through and identifying players that fit our model, that fit our profile, that fit our philosophies and values. 
And then what we will do is then we'll compile a list of three to four players in each one of those positions based off age, experience, you know, contractual expectations and everything like that. And then we will go through that process and select because we're a new club. So we need to be successful from day one, which is never guaranteed. As you know, in this game ever, you can spend two million, 20, 200 million and still not guarantee that. So you're not guaranteed in that. But we want to be in a position that where we can be successful on the field, but we're not blocking our pathway for our younger players to be able to come through. And then um, one of the other things, have you been able to watch much of the league? Have you kind of been able to see, you know, different games? And if so, what have, what has been your biggest takeaway so far from this season? Because it has definitely been a very close uh, year. I, we thought we all thought last year in 2021 that the margins were very thin, and it seems like that's even thinner now um, with, you know, basically any team from first to ninth. Yeah. At least in contention, so. Yeah. Well, no, I, I, to answer your question, yes, I've been watching it Saturday night. The great thing with the time zones is you can kind of get a half at 6 o'clock and then another half at 7.30 and then another half at like 9 and maybe you get a 10.30 one at end. So I, I, I must admit, I have been watching League One and Championship just because of I'm in that recruiting process. So I'm trying to gather as much, much information on all of the teams in the Championship as well as League One. I followed it like I have with, like I'm sure you guys have. I watched NCFC against Tormenta this weekend. I think it was a 1-1 draw, wasn't it? Which both clubs didn't need because of how far they are away from the sort of playoff situations. But um, now my takeaway from it is the standard and the level is quality. I think, you know, you look at the level of play. I think you look at the standard. I think you look at the management styles and these clubs now that they're coming in and they're really trying to stick a flag in the ground. You've got teams with their own identity. You've got teams that are obviously, you know, um, producing talent. Um, and I just think the level of quality that we've got in League One and the Championship, I think, is huge and exciting. You know, I think that, you know, and I'm excited about that big time. That's definitely something I keep hearing um, in Omaha. I have a lot of friends who have some coaching experience, some um, with a lot of coaching experience. And that was always one of their big hesitations for the Omaha team was, you know, they're like, hey, it's just a bunch of guys running around playing beer league soccer. And yeah. then they go to a game like, oh, no, that's that's not what this is. It's certainly not the Premier League or the Bundesliga, but these guys are real pro players with real skill who can make some amazing goals, amazing plays, have some great technical skills as well. And, you know, it's really a fun thing for people in town to discover and see that, oh, no, this is not just, you know, beer league soccer. We're at a minor league baseball park. It's a real league with real players. And we're starting to see guys get sold on to championship, guys get sold on to Europe. Uh, you know, Ricardo Pepe famously yeah. played in the league. And now look what he's yeah. doing or not doing so much over at Augsburg. But you know, he got there. He played in <laughs> league one. He played in this league. I, I 100% agree with everything that you've said there. And I think that, you know, that, that's an exciting part because, again, for us, we've probably got a little bit of expectation in some of the conversations. I hear this word, oh, it's just minor league. And that, that, that uh, drives me insane because it is so far from being minor league in any way whatsoever. You know, like I said, you've got teams that, they understand what they're doing in possession. They understand what they're doing out of possession in the transitions. The players are quality. It's it's 
it's you know I don't even like to talk about it not even being proper football because I think it's disrespectful because of how good it is and the level and the stadiums. You look at Chattanooga and the money that they're putting into their stadiums. Spokane, you know, look at all the, what we're doing. You know, we we just been quoted for our stadium and it's it's over. It's between fifty to seventy million. This ain't this ain't someone that's just going to trying to get a bar, you know, a baseball field and put a team together. You know, we've got a full front and back office staff here. You know, we're bringing coaches and players in from all around the world. You know, we got staff that we're recruiting front and back office from all around the country. You know, this is 100%. Like you said, I played in League One, I played in League Two back home. And for me, this is no different than being in League One or League Two. All right, you've got the history back home. You've got the grounds that everybody knows. You've got the big clubs that have been on a slide for maybe the Premier League, like the Portsmouths and these sort of clubs that come down into League One, League Two, they're established clubs. For me... The level, how it's all done, the setup, the organisation is exactly the same. We just don't have that history at the minute and that of of actual being a league for a long period of time. But it's only going to get more and more. That's that for me. What's was one of the things that was so exciting about this? You know, we've got World Cup coming in twenty six. Imagine what the league league one's going to be like in in another two three years time. You know, we'll have. I truly believe. Like you said, the, the 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 lad, and it slipped my name. Apologies from Orange County. That's gone for our seven hundred grand and over a million with sell-ons. That's that that ceiling's now been blown. The next one that goes out of the championship will go for a million. The next one will be one point two, and then you'll get it in League One. We got people going for seventy, ninety, a hundred grand. You know, in two years' time, we'll have people coming out of League One going for two hundred fifty, three hundred, four hundred grand with sell-ons. And for me, that's really really exciting. Yeah, I was going to say that was Ronaldo Davis. Um, also yep. played in League One, was the Golden Boot in yep. 2019. So definitely exactly. him. And just seeing like guys, you know, you look at a couple of the guys from the unit Omaha Championship team that moved up. You've seen yep. you know, players from Tormenta, um, you know, from their academy get to the Premier League. Yep. It's definitely going to be interesting in that aspect. And I guess I was kind of curious for the team that you want to approach. I know you're kind of getting ready for the team, like getting ready for preseason, getting ready for everything else. Do you have kind of like when you want to start getting the bulk of your players, you know, signed and ready to go? Are you trying to do that now? Are you waiting until the end of the year when the USL League One and Championship teams kind of finish their seasons with those players' contracts? Yeah, no, again, another great question. No, we're, we're, I've been identifying. I watch every game at the weekend, so I always pick out two, three players on every team that I play. I take notes of how they're playing and the formations that these teams are playing. I'm trying to build those profiles of all the teams in the league, slowly but surely. Um, I've identified, I've got a list probably of about 25, 26 names on that I like. And that's that's just in League, that's just in league One. That's not even in the Championship and everything else outside of that. So, um, you know, we're looking at it all now. Because of the contract situation and obviously the contracts run out on November uh, November 30th, so you can't really sign anyone really from a contractual standpoint until sort of 1st of December. Uh, you can get some pre-conversations going with agents, with anybody that obviously, you know, six months left of their contract with no options. So, but again, even that, we haven't sort of made any approaches or spoke to anybody in any of those worlds yet. We're still focusing on what are we really trying to identify and target, and then we're going to go and hit that and move on from there. So, um Yes, to answer your question, we have a good idea, but we haven't made any real official approaches or anything like that yet. 
we're still trying to find our feet and work that out. But that's probably going to speed up in probably the next 30 days. By the end of September, you've got October, November for the playoffs, and then we'll really look to hit it October, November, December, January, and then we start preseason in February. Yeah. And I was going to say, you'll at least have nicer weather yeah. <laughs> down there as opposed to over here in Madison and Omaha trying to coordinate preseason is a lot tougher. Um, well, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And again, because we're a new startup, as you can imagine, everything we're putting in place is, is from fresh. So, yeah, we, we're thinking about preseason. You know, do we go away? Do we go down to, you know, do we go down south to try and get some games in or stuff down there? You know, they're all the fun parts that we're trying to put together at the minute. Yeah. I think it's it's impossible to uh, talk about Lexington without turning our eyes north a bit. Uh, yeah. And obviously in League One uh, in USA, we don't have pro rel. So your chances, Open Cup and preseason stuff. Do you think uh, the Lexington people are going to be hoping for a, Game versus Louisville in the Open Cup. Wow! Well, yes, please. We we and hey, and we we you know the guys over there, James, Mario, and all that. They're doing a fantastic, you know, fantastic job. Um, and you know they've created an unbelievable club and what they're doing. But one hundred percent, you know, for us to have Lexington versus uh, Louisville in in a game will be huge Open Cup. We've got as we've got aspirations. You know, we're we're a community. We're a club that can be a championship club. We've got aspirations, our stadium and how we're building it is championship, how we're building our front office and back office staff. That's, you know, we're building it off the championship model. You've seen by our season tickets and what we're doing there, our merch, you know, we've hit that, our sponsorship front of shirt, sponsorship, you know, we're breaking in, in a humble way, we're, we're breaking records in all of that, which is what we want to do. So we're very much setting ourselves up and trying to build it for a championship club because that's how our ownership and how we want to do it. But very respectful and understanding that every club in league one is probably ready to do that. So, you know, we're all for promotion and relegation. I sincerely hope that it comes into the league. I think it would be an absolute game changer for obviously the USL championship and league one. I don't know the ins and outs of how that would work. It's not my, it's not my pay grade or check to work. That's for that's for Edwards to figure out. That yeah. that's for him to figure out yeah, and everything. They can sort that out with Cartwright and all of those guys. But yeah, we're 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 set. I'm you know I'm just be open and honest. We're setting ourselves up for for that opportunity because if it comes along, we certainly want to have that chance. Yeah. All right, and, and I I'm gonna ask some more fun questions. I know we've kind of had some more serious and business questions. Um, so I know you played as a defender as a right back. Um, currently, like in your career. Who was the player that you inspired to play like or have wanted their playing style? And who's a right back that really catches your eye now? Oh, that's a that's a that's a great question. I probably wanted to play like Zinedine and Zidane or somebody like that, <laughs> even though I was only a right back. That's what I felt like I could do. My teammates probably told me a lot different, but um, you know, I came from that. I was in that era with. Becks and Nev Gary Neville and David Beckham, you know what I mean? Um, Lee Dixon and I think it was Robin Perez on for Arsenal, you know. A lot of teams I grew up with play 4-4-2. So for me, I used to love to get forward. Even though he played on the left side, like he was a lot younger than me. But like Ashley Cole was a huge player that I loved because he loved to get forward. He was always in, he was always in like the attacking half, but brilliant in 1v1 defending and everything like that as well so that's what I love to do I love to support and get forward and whip balls in the box and be involved in it but 
I took pride in my 1v1 defending and defensively and all my aspects there. So, um, you know, for me, I, I look at players like, Gary, you know, in his heyday, Gary Neville, Cafu, um, Danny Alves, you know, when I grew up, all of those type of attacking fullbacks I used to love. Um, and that's a great question. Now, I think probably someone that I would, I just, I admire and just, I think because of his defensive abilities and what he does is like a, uh, a Carl Walker at Man City, someone like that, you know, um, just because of his pace and his defensive abilities, but he does get forward. Who else is there? Obviously, Trent Alexander is a huge one for me. Again, I love him to bits. I think attacking-wise, he's absolutely off the charts, so, you know, and I ain't one to criticise or anything for defensively, but, you know, some sometimes it can be a little bit, um, you know, when you play in that advanced role, it's, you know, sometimes your responsibility is a little bit different where I grew up in an era where I was a defender first and anything going forward was was added to that. So I think um, I, I like the new, forget I forget his name, please excuse me. I like the, the lad that Chelsea just signed from Brighton. Oh, Cucurella. Yeah, Cucurella. I think, he, you know, I think that's someone with flair. So I, I'm a modern day fullback. I love fullbacks. I love to get forward and play and join in and everything like that. So I'm going to slaughter the name of this. So forgive me in advance. I don't know a lot about England, English geography, but during your time with the Wycombe Wanderers, Wickham, nearly. Wickham Wanderers, <laughs> who, uh, you famously wrote in their program before every single game. Yeah. Have you thought about picking up the quill again and uh, doing some opinion pieces before Lexington games? You know, it's a great question. I did. Yeah. So when I sort of was coming to the end of my career, I, did a, my degree was in sports journalism and broadcasting. So I had a degree and in, in, I've got my degree in that. This was, wow, probably, you know, 13, 14 years ago. Um, and I really enjoyed it. It was always something that I, you know, the, the press and having a relationship with the press and being able to be in front of the camera and chat about football and write about it was huge. So I haven't done any writing since, but when I would finish playing in North Carolina, that's when I was doing all the color commentary for NCFC and then down at Vista studios with the league and everything like that. So I still love to be involved around it, but more from a, probably a commentary side than actually writing now. Yeah, no, that's completely fair. Yeah. I feel like writing is just like, I feel like you either want to write or you want to do commentary trying to balance both. Just, it feels like it's a tough one, but um, the other question I wanted to ask, is there a particular away day in League One that you are looking forward to or one where you have your, your set like, I got to go to this place? 100%. I want to go back to NCFC. <laughs> as you can imagine, as a former player, I was a coach there as well in the first team under Colin Clark. So I spent five brilliant years there. I got It's a fantastic club. Great people still there, still, still sort of running it and everything like that. But to... Uh, to go back and play against a club that you was with is always nice as a player. Um, so that would be a big one. T to be honest with you, and, and I say this, I say this hand on heart, being back in the game and being able to be back in travelling with a team and being around it on a match day experience and, you know, being part of putting a team together to then go out on the field and then try and get three points. I can't wait to go to all of these stadiums. I really, really can't. It's going to be... Such an experience that that was probably one of the things in England. Where, you know, when I finished playing, well, 
reason why I sort of came away. I played in England for 13, 14 years back to back. And then I went over to Hungary and played for Felons of Arras for a year. Then I came over to the US. And that was one of the reasons why I kind of looked to come over to Hungary in the first place, because I had been in the league for 14, 15 years and give or take a promotion or a relegation here from a club, you ultimately sort of play the same clubs and stadiums and everything like that. So for me to be able to go to a new stadium pretty much every other week for the first, you know, first part, the first season, I'm so excited about that. I'm really, really excited about that. Yeah. And then um, I know I'm going to ask this question. Did you have a pregame meal? Was there a meal that you had as a player, and do you have one currently now? No, I, I don't have one now. I probably eat too many pre-games meals now, if I'm honest with you. But um, uh, no, my, so yeah, I did. I would religiously, on a match day, I would get up at 9 o'clock. I was so regimented in it. I'd get up at 9 o'clock, 9.30. I would have poached eggs on toast with beans. That was. I always had that about 9.30, 10, because it gave me enough time. And then... And then at uh, 11.45, 12 o'clock, three hours before kickoff, I would have, you call it oatmeal, I call it porridge and a banana because I had a really delicate stomach when I went on match days. So I, was, I had to be really careful with what I could eat or not eat because I was just funny like that. So for me, slow releasing your porridge with a banana, soft on my stomach, I could run all day and then I was sound. So I was, I was dialed in like... 19 years of having the same Saturday morning or same Tuesday evening meal. I was going to say that that is definitely more the more healthier than we've heard. We've heard peanut butter and tuna. We've heard just a candy bar. Um, (laughs) No way. I tell you what I did get introduced to when I came over to America as well, because it was so hot. Is it uh, Pedialyte? Is that, is that? Yeah. Yeah, So I'd always, I'd always do, a pint, uh, a full bottle of Pedialyte before the game. And that was a game changer for me because obviously sweating so much in North Carolina and the heat in America and everything like that. And being in England, you're not quite used to it as much as you are here. But that that was something later on in my career that I brought in and worked brilliantly. Mm-hmm. So now that you've been in Kentucky for a while, have you had a hot brown yet? Oh, no, I haven't had a hot brown. I've heard about a hot brown. I haven't. I've, I've, I've had... I've had a bourbon or two, but I'm still trying to get my taste around that. Um, but no, no hot brown yet, believe it or not. I need to get on that. I've heard it a few times. Isn't it like, is that like, um, it's it's like a potato. Yeah, yeah, on the ham. That's it. That's what I thought. Yeah, but it's turkey instead of ham. And then in the Mornay sauce, instead of Gruyere, they put cheddar. Or American cheese. Wow. And I think you put gravy on it, too. Because it's really? like gravy. Wow. This looks del- I'm finally Googling a picture. It looks delicious. I, I might have to try it. I will convince my wife to take a stab at making this. Yeah. If I make it, it's going to be terrible. I'm the baker. I'm not a cook. Yeah. Oh, okay. Nice, nice, nice. Awesome. But would you say the, the away day attraction for visiting fans in Lexington is definitely the, the bourbon? Oh, yeah. I think I think you, you'd come away for – you'd go to the track, wouldn't you, and catch a horse race and then maybe grab a couple of bourbons afterwards. I think that I think that's what the sort of maybe Friday night at the track and a bourbon and then come and watch the game on a Saturday and make a weekend of it. Sounds like a great away day. Yeah, I, I still. Uh, it's not that far of a drive from Madison, so like that's it's probably the closest drive or second closest drive. I know yeah. it'll be good. Yeah, we'll be we'll, yeah it'll be a great one. That 
I still have my my really dumb idea for when they announced uh, Lexington. I was like, they should treat the jerseys like horse silks. And just do a different one and different colorway every single year. Well, that's just what. Make... Sorry to interrupt you, Chip. Yeah, that that's we we are our partners Nike, so we've gone with Nike as our as our apparel partner, and that was one. That's our brand designer, Chris Payne. When we went through the process of building it all, we've got a whole brand book and deck, and our actual shirt has has the diamonds in because I feel like in Lexington we are. We can own the diamonds here, you know what I mean, because of the horse world. So we've actually got kits designed exactly what you said with those with those jockey patterns just to tie it back. Nice. I see the history is so big here, and I feel like I feel like we can own that here just because of our horse world and everything like that. Nice, breaking now news. Just need to know when, around what time should we be seeing these kits? <laughs> well. The kit. I wonder what time of year. You don't have to give a date. Just that's okay. Day. No, that's good. I think the plan is that we will have our kits by the time, obviously, our first game of the season, which will be in April. But there is a big but. I don't know if we're going to be able to go full ball, what we're hoping for to start with, just because of all of the limitations still with product. And, hey, we're no different to everybody else in the world. So as much as we know what we want, the first year might be modified a little bit, but it will still be special. But ultimately we do want to get into that world where we can own those silks because we got to incorporate that you know what i mean it's part of it awesome well sam if anyone wants to find you on social media where can they look for you at yeah no brilliant i'm on instagram at sam stockley um i'm on twitter i think it's at sam stockley 25 so i'll be on twitter twitter and instagram are really my two that we go to so more than happy to interact and engage on that. Um, you know, really appreciate you guys allowing me to come on the show and talk a little bit about what we're doing. We're, like I said, we're, we're very fortunate. We've got an amazing ownership group that are fully committed in every aspect to to, to make this a, a flagship group, uh, a flagship club. So again, we're lucky like that. And where we are now to where we'll be in 12 months to where we'll be in 24 months with the growth and build out. It's only going to be an exciting time from now up until probably when the world cup hits, hits America. Yeah, for sure. Definitely excited to see and what everything that goes on with Lexington. So for those of you that are watching it, make sure to check out Lexington's Twitter feed and Instagram feed. Make Definitely. sure to follow Sam and Sam. I, we'll probably see you next year. We're going to, it's going to be good when you come to Madison and Omaha, definitely let us know. So, Otherwise, have a good time, everyone, and we'll talk to you later. I look forward to Please, I look forward to seeing you guys when we come out, and hopefully you'll come down to ours as well, and we can look after you when you come down. So, we'd, you know, we'd, we'd I'm have to say, I'm going to need some bourbon. <laughs> yes, sir. Definitely. Awesome. Thanks again. Thank you.